This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello again, everybody. My name is Mike Petralia. It's episode 243 of Patriots Beat on the CLNS Media Network. You can find us at our brand new website, www.clnsmedia.com. You can follow us on Twitter, at CLNS Media. And, of course, for any Patriots or NFL news, follow us on Twitter, at Patriots CLNS. Our Facebook site is facebook.com slash CLNS Media. This is a thrill and a treat to speak with a guy who breaks down film as well as anyone out there not named Bill Belichick. And I would not take insult uh, by that Steve Palazzolo of ProFootballFocus.com. That is meant as a sincere uh, compliment. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Steve. Yeah, thanks for having me. And yeah, absolutely. We'll take that as a compliment. So uh, yeah, it's been a, a lot of fun always breaking down the draft class digging in and yeah finally watching everything unfold this week all right with the draft this week in dallas no one i'd rather talk to and i'm sure patriots fans would rather hear from than you uh, steve who just released the uh, mock draft five uh today on profootballfocus.com okay no trades you have the patriots taking a tight end at number 23 and a corner at 31 in the first round tell us why you think dallas godert of South Dakota State, and Mike Hughes of Central Florida would be really good fits for the Patriots. Yeah, and, and look, I always do these mocks, you know, from my eyes. You know, how, how would I do this if I was GM? So a lot of it's right. fueled by our draft board at PFF. And I'm not necessarily trying to predict the future, but, you know, with the new, you know, pa- Patriots in a really good spot, 23 and 31, uh, to just reload and, and add some youth to the roster. So with Goddard, Dallas Goddard coming out of South Dakota State, I think it's it's not necessarily Gronk insurance, but it doesn't hurt just in case something goes down with Gronk over these next couple of years to, to kind of get that next big mismatch tight end in there. And even with Gronk on the roster, if you see the way the Patriots have really looked to add a compliment to Gronk over these last couple of years, whether it was Scott Chandler or Martellus Bennett or Dwayne Allen, Goddard steps in and he becomes the long-term compliment to Rob Gronkowski and, you know, or perhaps the short-term replacement for Rob Gronkowski at some point down the road. But he's just got this big, long frame, 6'5", 250 pounds, and, and just, you know, makes guys miss after the catch. He's been fantastic uh, with the ball in his hands. You know, South Dakota State almost used him like a glorified wide receiver in their offense. That's how athletic he is. And uh, if you put him and Gronk on the field at the same time, unbelievable mismatches we know that the Patriots can create. And if Gronk does go down to injury or something else goes down, you know, Goddard has the ability to step in. Uh, beyond that, Mike Hughes at, at corner at 31, 
he's a guy that, uh, you know, the more we've watched him at PFF, the more we liked him as just a late first round type of guy. He's under six feet tall. But if you look again at how New England plays their man coverage and they love to play man and match up against opposing wide receivers, they already have Stephon Gilmore on the roster. They already have Jason McCourty on the roster. Those guys can handle some of the bigger wide receivers that they go up against. But Hughes kind of plays that Malcolm Butler role because he's a little bit smaller, but just fantastic movement skills, man coverage ability. And he has the ability to match up against some of the the better route runners that they'll go up against at receiver. So really like Hughes' fit for the Patriots back end of the first and, and just another, uh, you know, you know, chess piece really for that secondary. So why not Hayden Hurst? Because, and the reason I bring this up, Steve, is with, uh, in talking to some people, Hayden Hurst is one of those rare tight ends, at least in this particular pool, I think, uh, that can do both uh, blocking and pass receiving. From what I've understand of Goddard, he is more of just a pass receiving tight end. Is that the way you have graded him out? Yeah, I would. So we actually had Goddard as an okay blocker, but the caveat there being FCS competition, so it was right. a little bit difficult to kind of match it up. With Hurst, I, I gave him, I tweeted this the other night, the same phrase I've used with all of these really good pass-catching tight ends, and Hurst is one of them. Uh, as blockers, they just kind of get in the way. I don't know that Hurst is really a great run-blocking option. They used him as this H-back, on-the-move type of player, and he does a good enough job at least locating linebackers in the run game and things like that, but certainly would not put him in that Rob Gronkowski, you know, in-line, true run-blocking type of mold. Uh, the other thing about Hurst, He's a former baseball player, which I think is outstanding. I'm a former pitcher. He's a former pitcher, so I should love him. Uh, but he's 25 years old at this point. Uh, didn't have a ton of opportunities in South Carolina's offense the last couple of years. And I, I do like what he can do with the ball in his hands. I just think Goddard is a more uh, special pass catcher. And I'd say they're both you know, in similar range when it comes to run blocking. So, I mean, and you said at the top of this podcast that um, you try to get a, a sense or, or mock these with the sense of what our GM's going to try to do with the drafting and kind of get in the war room and project a little bit that way. A lot of fans want to know what is the possibility that the Patriots trade up to get a quarterback. Do you see that as a realistic possibility? So I think it's tough just because of how far they would have to go. Um, it does depend. You know, I feel like if Josh Allen does not go number one, to Cleveland. I'm sorry, if he does go number one to Cleveland, it does push very intriguing quarterbacks down the board. And I don't hate Josh Allen. I just think he's less intriguing than Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and Josh Rosen. And if those guys get pushed down the board, then it feels like this battle between the Buffalo Bills at 12, the Arizona Cardinals at 15 to move up and go and get the guy. For New England, I think it's going to be really difficult because beyond those guys, I don't think Lamar Jackson or Mason Rudolph, say, are worth trading up. I feel like you can kind of sit and wait. So I think because Buffalo, they need a quarterback more than New England, of course, because Buffalo also has two first-round picks, they have to make up the move and go up and get somebody. They have more ammo than New England, you know, and they're just in a better spot uh, to move up and get somebody. So I think it's going to be tough for New England to actually move up and get someone, even though we've heard plenty of buzz when it comes to Lamar Jackson, Josh Rosen, and some other names. Um, I feel like they're still going to sit pat if they're looking for a quarterback. You and I both know that the Patriots are not beyond, as any NFL team is not beyond putting out some feelers out there that let's just say might 
proved to be misdirection <laughs> to use a football. <laughs> never, never. <laughs> nah. Um, to be a little bit of serve as misdirection around Lamar Jackson. We read tweets, well, as late as, uh, you know, Monday afternoon, the Patriots uh, were intrigued and impressed with Lamar Jackson. But then again, it, you would have to be move up and actively uh, trade for him or move up in the draft and get him. And I just don't see the Patriots giving up that kind of stock for a quarterback who certainly would be different. Uh, for them and different for Josh McDaniels. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, on one hand, I could see them I could see them just being, you know, let's do this complete 180 from what people expect and let's, you know, see the future of the league. And I think a lot of people are trying to say, well, they played Deshaun Watson last year and he had a great game, therefore right. they need to get this mobile quarterback. Um, I do think there is a chance that Lamar Jackson falls just because if he does get past Arizona and Buffalo – uh, there's not necessarily a QB needy team that they would have to jump to go get him. Um, but, you know, on the surface, it doesn't look like the greatest fit in the world. No matter who takes Lamar Jackson, you have to build around his skill set. Um, he can throw the ball plenty, plenty well. You know, he's got a good enough arm. He makes NFL throws. He's just so inconsistent from an accuracy standpoint that you have to build around his athleticism. So it's really not this classic fit for the Josh McDaniels offensive scheme, your classic Patriots offensive scheme. So, um, it does feel like a little bit more buzz at this point to just try to see if someone's going to bite, you know, ahead of the Patriots. That's exactly how I, I, I read that. And, you know, people I've spoken to kind of read it the same way uh, who are, you know, close to the Patriots that, look, I mean, they love Lamar Jackson. You know, Mike Lombardi's son was on the Louisville staff and uh, certainly Bobby Petrino and Bill Belichick are, are very close and uh, know each other, and I think Belichick respects uh, the pro-style system of Bobby Petrino. There, there is some smoke there. I just don't know if it you know, rises to a fire, if you catch my drift. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could see that, you know, and um, it, it's just funny how that stuff can get out there, too. Uh, some, of the, some of the rumors that got out there that, you know, the Patriots were most interested in Lamar, I mean, that just feels... That feels a little staged because I don't know how you can how you can honestly assess that, how you can assess the true interest of, of 32 other teams. So I'm going to move on to a quarterback you have going first overall, and I'm going to tell you right now this surprised me when I saw it, but then I read the following. Baker Mayfield has posted the lowest percentage of negatively graded throws in the nation for two years, and he led the draft class in big-time throw percentage last season so give us some context about baker mayfield going number one overall in a mock to cleveland yeah so mayfield has been our top graded quarterback you know we're grading every single snap from a production standpoint in the entire fbs he's he's posted the two top overall grades that we've given in four years of doing this among all quarterbacks um and so you know in our play-by-play grading system we're given positives and negatives and neutral grades uh he never he just has a low percentage of negatively graded throws he just doesn't miss a whole whole lot of throws and then the big time throws that's like my favorite that's my baby over at pff those are your highest graded throws so that's you know seam route tight window down the field putting the ball right on a guy's hands so those are your most difficult throws tighter windows perfect accuracy mayfield has the highest percentage of those in the in the draft class you know year in year out so he is, uh, he has everything you're looking for in an NFL quarterback other than maybe a couple inches of height. But if you take the height thing out of it, 
He makes all the throws. He's accurate. He's a good decision maker. And he's got that little bit of edge that I think does work in his favor. Yeah, where he, you know, I just don't want to be the guy that doubts Baker Mayfield at the next level. So, um, something that's always struck me, and, and every time Bill Belichick mentions this when I've been in his press conferences, uh, around the draft at least, or when he's asked about players and projecting them from college to pro, is how difficult that can be given the competition. So my question to you, Steve, is how careful do you guys have to be when you're projecting college players with uh, pro standards, if you know what I mean, like you know NFL quarterback rating, or when you're judging a corner uh, based on the NFL quarterback rating that you know the NFL uses. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a huge factor. You know, trying to to bring all of those various uh, you know parts together to to really evaluate someone. I know from a from a uh, quarterback standpoint, we've done a lot of work where we charted every single throw from these guys a, a second time we, we did the second and third pass where we said look let's find every time uh they throw to a guy with a step of separation and they put the ball right on the guy's hands with perfect accuracy and we try to duplicate what they might actually do at the nfl level and we can actually take a big chunk of those college throws and say which of these throws are the ones that nfl quarterbacks actually have to make um so we've come up with our own little NFL throws number, which is like, all right, look, take out all the easy stuff that Baker Mayfield does, take out all the screens, take out all the, the, the manufactured open throws that Oklahoma's offense gives him and do this for everybody in the draft class. And let's just isolate the NFL throws as best we can. And even in that number, a guy like Baker Mayfield does come out on top. And um, so each position kind of has its own, uh, you know, thing to focus on, so to speak. So with quarterbacks, we focus on NFL throws we found that pass rushers in our system with three years of watching guys go from college to the NFL, pass rushers, our grades translate unbelievably from college to the NFL. Um, not, not a direct linear correlation, but they, you know, guys who perform extremely well in our system perform well in the NFL for the most part. So um, each position has its own unique uh, things that we have to look at. We're still learning because we're still new at evaluating college players, but we've got a lot of, uh, really good insight in the early going as far as which parts of the PFF data do the best at projecting guys at the NFL level. Speaking with Steve Palazzolo, football expert, and I mean expert, for profootballfocus.com. Hey, everybody, I want to tell you about a new wellness brand for men. It's forhims.com. 66% of men lose their hair by the age of 35. Thing is, when you start to notice hair loss, it's too late. It's easier to keep the hair you have than, of course, to replace the hair you've lost. How do you feel a year from now if it's business as usual up there? Do you want a bald spot to pop up, or do you want to do something about it first? Here's a solution for hymns.com. It's a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. There's no waiting room, no awkward doctor visits, and save hours by going to 4 It is so easy. Just answer a few quick questions, and a doctor will review and prescribe for you. Order now. My listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5 today. That's right now while supplies last. See our website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. Go to 4 slash trags. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash T-R-A-G-S 
forhims.com slash trags. Speaking again with Steve Palazzolo of profootballfocus.com. Steve, before the break, you went over the incredible detail you and pains you guys take in trying to project data or come up with some type of system uh, to uh, project data and I'm just I want to get a sense from you how how much how many man hours goes into uh, a, you know gathering all of the data crunching all the data and then coming up with your reports uh, there's a lot we've tried to yeah. quantify it but we grade every snap in the NFL, every snap, every FBS game. So that's, uh, you know, 267 NFL games, about 870 FBS slash a few FCS college games. Um, I'd say each game at the NFL level is about 50 man hours of just direct data collection and work when it goes to grading plays, collecting who's on the field, collecting every route, every receiver runs. I mean, there's all sorts of different processes at the NFL level. It's about 50 hours of NFL, 40 hours of college. Multiply it out by all those games. And that's just to get the hard data, just to get our grades, just to get our stats. And then we go back throughout this last couple of months and really try to evaluate these guys, put context to it. So even after there's 40 or 50 man hours per game, there's many, many more hours going prospect by prospect, trying to uh, you know isolate and figure out who are the best prospects in the entire draft class and how do they fit at the next level. Okay, let me uh, go back to uh, this particular draft and maybe some names that certainly have been discussed as possibilities for the Patriots uh, at quarterback. Mason Rudolph and Kyle Lalletta. What do you think of those two players? Yeah, Rudolph is one of the hardest ones for us to figure out because in our pure grading system, he's been fantastic. Three really good years of grading. But to our earlier point about context, you know, he did do it in the Big 12. He did it in the Big 12 with fantastic receivers. And he did have a whole lot of open throws. So the same things that you, you know, come up in Baker Mayfield's evaluation, they show up in Rudolph's as far as, you know, where the caveats to that grading. He's really good at the intermediate level. He could throw the ball outside the numbers really well, good timing and accuracy there, uh, throws the ball down the field well. I think the difference between him and some of the top QBs in the draft, though, the ball just doesn't come out of his hand cleanly all the time. Doesn't have a great zip, especially for this big quarterback who looks like he should be you know, looking like Josh Allen zipping the ball all over the ballpark. And he doesn't, he's not the greatest pure athlete, whereas, you know, Darnold and Mayfield, of course, Jackson, those guys can improvise and make plays outside the pocket. Rudolph doesn't necessarily have that to his game. So he's a solid player. I've heard people compare him to Matt Schaub, which I think is actually a pretty good comparison for Rudolph. He could, could have this really nice, solid career, but less exciting than some of the other guys at the top. And then Loletta, I know he's been linked plenty to New England <laughs> due to the Navy yep. connections, all Thank. that fun stuff. Yeah, so, I mean, there looks like there's a good fit there, but also his playing style, too. We were watching a couple plays in the office the other day where he looked like Jimmy G with this quick release, under pressure, throwing these pinpoint dig routes 15 yards down the field. So his intermediate accuracy is just spectacular. He was the top-graded intermediate thrower. That's about 10 to 19-yard range in our world and uh you know top graded in the draft class uh struggles with the deep ball a little bit so has to work on that but he feels like the type of guy who's just accurate in the right areas and then he goes to the senior bowl had a fantastic week of practice wins mvp of the game his red zone accuracy was fantastic so he doesn't have this great arm but timing anticipation accuracy all these all these important things that quarterbacks need to do 
he's really good at without having a cannon for an arm. So very intriguing prospect and a guy that we think is a pretty solid second-round type of player. Now, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to ask you where you project him in second round. I Certainly, I think anybody up here, uh, with the, if the Patriots hold on to their four picks in the first two rounds, they could. I, I would be almost stunned if they did not go quarterback with you know a second-round pick, assuming they don't do it uh, in the first round. I'm going to move on uh, to a college player that uh, I've seen quite a bit of here in New England, and a lot of fans up here are very curious to see, based on his lack of playing the second half of his senior year, uh, Harold Landry, as a defensive end. I know you guys have rated him very high. What's fascinating is, I think I read... Uh, where you guys technically have him rated higher than Bradley Chubb. Is that right? Yeah, we do. Uh, and it's because of his peak pass rush season, which was 2016, uh, was by far better than anything we've seen from than, uh, from Chubb. So um, when you look at, you know, there's this combination with Landry of the traits that he shows, the burst off the edge, the bend, and all the things that scouts would really like but also his on-field production. He broke out in 2015 and was actually a really good run defender in our system. And then 2016, just a fantastic pass rush grade. That's when he had the 18 sacks and was getting after the quarterback. So, you know, there are some concerns with last year battling injury and even when he was on the field, not necessarily being as productive as he was the previous year. But Chubb is a guy, I know he's getting all this hype, but we've done a – I told you earlier how we've projected – our pass rush grades to the next level pretty well. Chubb has not graded like an elite pass rusher and previous top 10 picks. The only guys that have truly translated at the next level are guys like Joey Bosa and Miles Garrett, as far as going from elite to just really strong pass rusher at the next level. The rest of the guys um, were kind of, you know, mid eighties PFF pass rush grades and then average pass rush at the next level. That's kind of where Chubb is graded for us. Whereas Landry has this one season where he was up in that Miles Garrett, Joey Bosa range, and we just feel a little better about him, for, you know, perhaps translating to the next level as a pure pass rusher. Where I think Chubb might be a better all-around player, but you know, rushing the passer is just so much more important than playing the run. We're giving we're giving Landry the nod. Well, and and I was at the BC Pro Day and I watched Brendan Daly uh, work with Harold Landry, and I got to tell you, I mean, I look, I'm the first one to tell you I'm a layperson. But his explosiveness and his ability to get around the the the, uh, the dummies and just his movements—he looked lightning quick, like he did in his junior year. Yeah, and that's and that's exactly what we've seen. So we're kind of we're kind of banking on you know getting back to that 2016 type of mold. Him and him and Chubb are very close on our board, but again, pass rush is so much more important than uh, playing the run in today's NFL. Uh, Chubb's a better all-around player, but Landry is is good in the right areas. Definitely see him as a potential impact pass rusher at the next level. Rashawn Evans, Alabama. Obviously, <laughs> I mean, what hasn't been written uh, about you know Nick Saban and Bill Belichick, but uh, in the Alabama Patriots connection, obviously Dante Hightower uh, already here with the Patriots. But Rashawn Evans, uh, pretty intriguing name. Yeah, I mean, so we've we've had the name of Dante Hightower actually come up when discussing him, even though they're different sizes. Evans is a just an undersized version of Dante Hightower in a couple of ways. Uh, you know, he started his career at Alabama as a pure edge rusher, just this undersized guy who explode off the edge, a lot like what I just said Harold Landry does, did that for a couple of years, created a lot of pressure. They made him more of a traditional linebacker in 2016, 
And he became this really good early down run stopper that you could kind of move around on third down and rush the passer and uh, really kind of be used in the way that the Patriots used Jamie Collins when he was in, here in New England as well. Jamie Collins or Dante Hightower. Guy, you know, especially Hightower, who's not necessarily great in coverage. You find a way to, you know, work to his skills, don't let him cover too many tight ends, and, you know, don't let him run down the field a whole lot. I feel like Evans is kind of in that mold where he's not the best in coverage. He's still finding his way there. But if, you know, New England, who loves to blitz that A-gap on third down, yep. isolate these linebackers on running backs in the backfield, Evans can have a lot of success doing something like that. So in that regard, really good fit for the Patriots, but still some question marks about his pure coverage ability. Keeping Marcus Cannon at right tackle. Obviously, Nate Solder, the left tackle, has gone to the New York Giants. And I, I'm curious to get your perspective on the theory that Marcus Cannon is going to be kept at right tackle because that's where he looks the most comfortable. And the Patriots, you know, don't want to, you know, mess up two positions. You keep one position the way it is, Marcus Cannon at right tackle, and give Adrian Waddle and maybe even last uh, last year draft pick uh, Tony Garcia a try at left tackle. First of all, Marcus Cannon, how did he grade out last year at right tackle? Yeah, he was solid. He was really good in 2016. I mean, that was the first time that he, you know, really broke out in his entire career. Last year he was solid when he was on the field and healthy. Uh, I'm a big believer that left tackle in general is overrated. Uh, not that it's not important or necessary. I just don't think it's more, that much more important, if at all more important, than right tackle. I think they're of equal importance because uh, you're facing some unbelievable edge rushers on the right side these days. And um, there's no real such thing as the blind side for the quarterback. They're looking both ways. And uh, to be honest, in New England system, with how often Tom Brady throws to his left, the right tackle is actually protecting the blind side more often than the left tackle because it's all about where the quarterback's looking. So um, I would keep Cannon at right tackle and uh, bank on the fact that, hey, these last two years have been by far the best two years of his career and then do your best to uh, to replace Solder, who, you know, he didn't have the greatest season. I know all, obviously all – the stuff with his son and the the stuff that he had to deal with. But um, obviously, from an on-field perspective, it's not like Solder was this, you know, clean lockdown left tackle year in, year out. He had some of his issues as well. Um, But it will probably be a downgrade with anybody that they bring in there. Um, But I would keep Cannon at at right tackle and keep him comfortable. Well, uh, Connor Williams, if they got a shot at him or Mike McClinchy, I don't think that's going to happen. Would they take them? I think they're good fits. I mean, Connor Williams has some NFL people that think he's a guard. I, I think he's um, he's on the shorter side, or the you know he doesn't have as much length. I think as you know when you compare him to other offensive tackles, but I think he has the movement skills you're looking for in a left tackle or right tackle. Doesn't really matter because, like I said, they're interchangeable. So yeah, I think Williams would be a really good fit. Um, McGlinchey would be a great fit, but uh, like you said, I don't know if he'll be around at that point, but. Uh, McGlinchey is almost like a Solder clone. I think the way he's uh, just a mauler in the run game, and it has, and he's a good, not great pass protector. But I think that'd be a really nice fit, especially with Skarnakia. All right, uh, Steve. Speaking with Steve Palazzolo of ProFootballFocus.com. I want to finish up uh, with a self-serving question. Um, by full disclosure, I'm Cincinnati native. Grew up watching Chris Collinsworth playing uh, in my childhood. What's it like working for him? He's been great. I mean, for, well, I, I'm a little mad at him. He made me move from New England to Cincinnati. So I'm like celebrating my second year out here in Cincinnati because he moved us here for the office. But beyond that, I'm not too bitter. He's been 
he's been really good. He just brings this um, refreshing new ideas to the company and uh, you know new ways to help us explain what can sometimes be complicated information. And he's always helping us try to explain it in uh, simpler ways and expanding our reach. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. A lot of you know he's he's hands on in the off season and, and trying to help us every day. So. Um, he's been uh, a good boss to this point. How so? I mean, when you say he's hands-on, I mean, obviously he's uh, been to two Super Bowls and he knows what it's like to compete at the highest level. To translate that into a situation where you're breaking down film, I, I, I just find that pretty fa- fascinating, actually. Yeah, so with him, it's more trying to figure out how do we best position our message as a company and um you know, he learns, well, to be honest, he learns a lot from us because we're just throwing data at him. Right. And then he has to, and he teaches us how to um, really just take the messages and convey them. You know, he's on Sunday Night Football. He's got these packets of information that we're giving him and really all the networks these days. And, uh, you know, learning how to just condense that into a 10 second nugget or something that uh, can make it onto a broadcast, I think has been huge because I've seen, I've seen other commentators and color commentators that just don't, uh, have that ability that he has to take, you know, what could be a complicated football, you know, piece of football information and make it so grandma can understand it, so to speak, like he always reminds us. So I think that's the, the big thing is helping us, uh, you know, go from football nerds a little bit, just focused on football nerds to maybe expanding our reach just a little bit to uh, more common fans. So you know what's going to be your survival guide in Cincinnati? Let me tell what's you. that? What do we got? All right, you're gonna um, you're gonna grow to like, if not love, Skyline Chili, Cincinnati okay. Chili. You're gonna absolutely die for Grater's uh, black raspberry chocolate chip ice cream. All right, already jumped in with Grater's. That's great. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you've got to hit Ribs King once a, once every other month because with Ribs King, um, with Ted get you know with uh, I believe his sons now runs the. Um, establishment with ribs king you've you can't overdo it but they are the softest ribs i have ever had in my life oh really okay so i'm in i'm, I'm in on that I can that's do the that. montgomery in i'm st- i'm starting that yeah i i've i've been there a couple times and i'll start to make that in every other month thing because yeah they're they are fantastic uh, they're just they're mouth-watering and uh, i've got a daughter who's going to miami of ohio and she's already been um schooled in the ways of big ben and, but she's a Patriots fan, and that's not changing. So that starts uh, in the fall. So I'll be making many a trip out to Cincinnati, and we'll definitely have to get together and uh, talk about Cincinnati food and whether or not the Bengals have a decent offensive line uh, coming up, which I think actually with Cordy Glenn and, and maybe uh, they get their hands on McGlinchey, we'll see what happens. Uh, but I think Oh, they could turn it around quickly, yeah. I actually do think they could surprise a lot of people this year very very much a turnaround candidate in the NFL. But it has been an absolute privilege and honor talking with Steve Palazzolo of ProFootballFocus.com. Steve, how can people uh, get engaged with ProFootballFocus.com if they're not already and your Twitter handle? Yeah, so if you go to the website, we basically took all of our uh, awesome products, and instead of making them products, we made them into just full experiences. PFF Edge and PFF Elite. Uh, you sign up, you get 365 days of access. Edge includes all of our, our draft guide, our QB annual, which I believe breaks down quarterbacks in ways that have never been done before. Uh, it has all of our fantasy tools, and so that's just Edge. And then if you want to upgrade to Elite, it's our premium stats, which essentially takes 
uh, each player back all the way to 2006 with uh, information you can't find anywhere else. So Edge and Elite over at ProFootballFocus.com, PFF underscore Steve on Twitter if you guys have any questions about the products, the draft, or anything else football-related, always willing to uh, chat football. And as a full member of ProFootballFocus.com, I can vouch for it. There is no more thorough place on the Internet for your football data knowledge and uh, and obviously the draft coming up this week than ProFootballFocus.com. Steve Palazzolo, thanks so much for joining us. And thanks again, everyone, for downloading today's Patriots Beat. want to once again thank our guest, Steve Palazzolo from ProFootballFocus.com. You can also give us a follow at PatriotsCLNS and at CLNS Media. You can also give my own personal account a follow at Trags, T-R-A-G-S. Today's sponsor, 4hims.com. For Patriots content manager Michael Angi, CLNS media executive producer Larry H. Russell, and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, thanks to everyone who tuned in. This is Mike Petralia, and this is the Patriots Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Media. What's going on, Pass Nation? This is Marvin Zahn of the CLNS Media Network, and I'm here to tell you right now to check out the CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show hosted by myself and my co-host, Mr. Mike Nice. And live on CLNS Radio immediately after every single pass game, call in at 929-477-2386 toll-free to get your voice heard and contribute to the host breakdown and analysis of the latest Patriots contest. We also got the stars and sorries of the day, Twitter posts for the plays of the game, and everything else that is going on with the five-time Super Bowl champion. Subscribe to CLNS Media New England Patriots postgame show on iTunes and Stitcher, and the best way, download the free CLNS Media Network mobile app for on-demand listening anytime, anyplace, anywhere.